Everybody. Welcome to MattNews.biz, the podcast where I share my thoughts, opinions, and beliefs that have been lovingly dubbed Matt News. This episode is brought to you unofficially by Restream. Restream is the best way to, li- to live stream to YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, and 30-plus streaming sites at once. You can expand your audience with multi-streaming today at Restream.io. If you're watching online... It doesn't matter what platform you're viewing on, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, or even Twitch. You can type out a question in the comment section or in the chat, and my guest and I will see it, and we'll reserve a time at the end of the episode to do a short Q&R. So please send in your questions or comments or anything like that, and we'll do that at the end of the episode. This is episode 26, and it's going to be a little bit of a heavy episode because today we're talking about abortion. The reason I want to talk about this subject is that recently I listened to another podcast, and it gave me a new perspective on abortion that I had never heard before. And I found myself realizing that there is compassion on both sides of this issue. And I didn't want to host uh, a debate about abortion, but I just wanted to have an open conversation. And because I'm a man, I felt that maybe I need to bring in a female perspective to the podcast. Uh, Nicole Parks is a mother of three and volunteer for True Options Pregnancy Center in Sherman, Texas. And Brittany Gold is the owner-operator of UpSchool Children's Cooperative uh, Montessori. I'm going to say this wrong. Montessori Preschool in Citrus Park, Florida, and a meal health coach at GetFoodTherapy.com. So I want to welcome uh, Nicole Parks and Brittany Gold. How are you guys doing? Great. Awesome. (laughs) So uh, we we already did a pre-show banter, so I feel like we know each other pretty well now. I mean, as well as you can on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) As well as you can on the internet, yeah. But I do feel like I've known both of you for a while now because, you know, I mean, I think we've interacted quite a bit on through Facebook with each other. Totally. Yeah. And I think I have both of you on Instagram. All right. So what I'm going to do is I want to kind of open it up because uh, even though we did do our pre-show banner, we don't really know each other a whole lot. um, And my audience doesn't know you. And so what I want to do is uh, just kind of give you guys the opportunity um, to share your background and specifically kind of your religious background. And so Nicole, I kind of wanted to start with you. If you wanted to share your background, uh, religious background more specifically. Sure. So um, I did grow up in a Christian home. We um, went to church for the most part, not so much in my youth age, but um, the Lord saved me when I was 12. Even though I had grown up believing a lot of things, it wasn't until that moment at um, when I was 12 that I was them. The Lord convicted me on my sin, saved me. Um, I have pretty much for the most part been a part of a Baptist denominations. And I would say my theological beliefs are still very uh, Baptist, um, but I've done Southern Baptist, free will, reformed kind of all over the place. Um, And we've been members of a small church in Plano where we used to live. Um, We still drive to Plano to go to church there. And um, that's pretty much the the gist of that. I do... um, at my church, I'm currently on the um, the leadership team of my church where I've been serving for the last um, couple of years. And um, Sandy and my husband's also uh, 
Christian as well. So we, um, we homeschool and um, the Christian part is definitely part of our homeschooling as well. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so uh, Brittany, uh, share a little bit about your background and more specifically uh, kind of religious background, because again, I kind of made an all call to, uh, you know, Christian, vague, women. vague Christian. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess mine is a little different than Nicole's. Um, I did grow up in church. Let's uh, say we went religiously. Um, like we were like the three times a week family. Um, and I, at some point lived with my grandparents. My grandpa was the pastor of my church. So that gives you that paints a good picture of my <laughs> uh, biblical upbringing. I would say it was very um, thorough and I um, kind of went away from that more in college. Um, I th- did the whole, like, I think I'm an atheist because I don't believe specifically what my parents and my grandparents believe. And then I was like, no, that's not true at all. I definitely still believe in God and I still believe in Jesus. So I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I guess since then, um, I belonged to a Baptist church my whole life, like was a big student of like Martin Luther and uh, Calvin. And now I would say I'm sort of in like a reconstruction phase. Um, And besides like the very bare bones, like Jesus as the son of God type religious background, I'm pretty much um, I'm open to a lot of ideas about things because, you know, reading the Bible with new eyes and learning the interpretations of things and things uh, and like, you know, the translations and, and all the stuff that's gone into what we now realize is the Bible has sort of just changed my perspective. But overall, I would definitely still say um, my spirituality and my spiritual, personal spiritual life um, is great. My husband is actually Jewish. So I guess that's another dissimilarity. But um, our kids definitely know who God is. And um, my daughter is a big fan of Jesus. Um, And we also homeschool. Um, our relig- our homeschooling isn't like a religious programming. It's, I would say it's more a religious just because, or, or maybe I would say it's more like plurally religious because I don't necessarily like corner anything down. I'm like letting her sort of make a decision because I don't, don't want her to have the upbringing that I had. So I guess, I don't know, I'm just a little more, um, free spirited in my Christianity, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say, you know, uh, I mean, I don't want to tell you that there's a problem with the way that you're you know, experiencing your Christianity or anything like that. But like you said, you know, you, you believe that Jesus is your Lord. And so there you go. That's, that's all I need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, so, um, my audience knows my background, but I'm, you know, I, I was an atheist for, you know, most of my life. My family really didn't, you know, do the whole church thing, Christianity thing. And then when I was 17, I was invited to church and gave my life to the Lord. And I've been a Christian for over 20, I feel, uh, yeah, over 20 years now or almost 20 years now. Yeah. Almost 20 years now. Um, so, uh, we're going to shift, we're going to shift, go ahead and shift it into abortion talk. We're just going to go, we're just going to go for it. <laughs> so, um, Brittany, I'm going to start with you, uh, on a scale from one to 10. One being the most pro-choice to 10 being the most pro-life, where would you put yourself on that scale? All right. I think that's kind of loaded, <laughs> if I can say. <laughs> uh, I'll try to be fair and give you the benefit of the doubt as far as like how what you're trying to ask me instead of putting my like ter- interpretation on it. 
Well, I'm also going to, I'm going to ask you the next question is literally like, what, what is your definition of these things? Okay. So, okay. so, so you know, I, so I, I kind of want to gauge first. So, okay. So then I will say, if you're saying one is completely pro-choice and 10 is completely pro-life, is that what you're saying? From, Correct. Yeah. Pro, we'll, yeah. We'll like, no, say, like no, like no nuance whatsoever. Just pro-choice, okay. pro-life. Okay. You know? All right. No nuance. I would say I would be a one and a half. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Um, and then, uh, uh, Nicole, what would you say on that same scale? I would say probably a 10. Okay. <laughs> and I was hoping you guys were going to be like, you know, oh, I'm like a three or like, I'm a, like a seven or something like that. Um, but almost, almost completely opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> um, so, uh, what does it mean, Nicole, to you, uh, to be pro-life? What does being pro-life mean to you? So. I take it to mean that it's the recognition that the um, there is an un- unborn child in the womb that has equal value as the woman, um, but recognizing that that child is still dependent on the mother and that through the act of abortion, it intentionally ends the life of a child. And so to be pro-life is just basically... In the, in the simplest sense as being anti-abortion, you're against abortion because the act takes the life of the child and the right to life um, is one of the most precious rights that we have um, as human beings and as image bearers of God. Okay, so how would you, um, in your own opinion, define pro-choice? How I define it? Um, yeah, well, not necessarily define, but just how do you view it? So I kind of see pro-choice as the women should have um, total control of their bodies and that the choices can include um, aborting the child, um, giving birth to a living child, um, to parent or placing um, a child up for adoption. Okay, so uh, mostly more choice wise than necessarily just strictly looking at it from an abortion aspect. Yeah. That's typically when I engage um, with pro choicers, that's typically what I kind of pick up on is that it's. Okay. So, so yeah. Yeah. So Brittany, what would you say uh, when you say, what do I, what do you mean by pro choice? What do you mean? Um, What I mean by pro choice is that um, I believe that there is a sacred, relationship between women who have wombs and can conceive children um, and carry them and God. And I believe that by being pro-choice, I believe that that woman has a hundred percent say over what happens as the steward of her child at every point in his, in, in his or her existence. So, and I believe that it is never, ever, in, in in the sense of the government perspective, I would say it's never ever the government's job to um, come in and get in between the relationship of parents and their children, no matter their age. Okay, so when you um, when you talk about pro ch- uh, pro life, what your what is your opinion or uh, definition of that? So my definition of pro life would be pro birth. So I. Um, from a political standpoint, I see a lot of 
care, consideration, and resources being put towards making sure the child gets um, fair and equal treatment as a human being. And in effect, I see that um, the women sometimes are dehumanized, the mothers are dehumanized, and um, that there is a, there seems to be a specific, um, a specific type of elevation for like babies in the womb, as opposed to like children of any age. So I feel like I equate pro-life with being pro-birth and not necessarily a being consideration for human life in all forms. Okay. So you wouldn't see, Oh, I meant to do that. Um, so you wouldn't see pro Pro-life is more of a political stance that deals primarily with womb-related issues. And I think that, um, Nicole, you would have the same uh, aspect of pro-choice is that both of these views are are specific to womb-only issues, I guess that's what I'm I would say. I think it's best when we can kind of define it that way. But I know sometimes it can be – it can be more complex than that when we're – trying to define what pro-choice and pro-life is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally get that. Um, uh, what, so, um, Brittany, do you associate the term pro-choice with, or think that it means like pro-abortion? No, not at all. Okay. Um, so what? um, like if you were to say, when you say pro-abortion, what do you think? How is that different than pro-choice? Like, what does pro-abortion mean? So I would say pro-abortion. I would say I don't know any women that are pro-abortion personally. I mean, I've heard like stories and like weird Twitter stories of women being pro-abortion and that whole like shout your abortion thing that like became a thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't really know any women who are necessarily pro-abortion in the sense of like, yay, a medical procedure. You know, it's like being like pro-cavity feeling like it's a weird thing to say um and i would definitely i definitely think that um pro-abortion to me just comes across as like i don't know it just it just seems like nosy i don't know i just feel like it, it's like weird to think about like other people being worried about what other people are doing with their bodies like it just to me it just doesn't make any sense like i just feel like i don't have any business in what someone else does with their womb so Right. Would you um, would you say would you say that saying pro-abortion has more of a negative connotation to it? Um, in Christian circles, yeah, for sure. Okay. What about non-Christian circles? Because um, I know, like you said, we, we we see like the Twitter stories and we see like kind of some of these outlandish stories. Um, do you think that that um, even outside of the Christian circles? I think that it's a way, it seems like it's been a way that people in the pro-life movement have um, tried to change the terminology for like, or change the, oh, it's almost a straw manning of pro-choice, right? So if you're pro-choice, that means like you're literally just saying, I think that mothers should have a choice. Whereas when you say pro-abortion, then it's like, oh, anyone who believes this thinks that abortion is great and you should have one and they want to have one and all these things, which are not at all implied by a pro-choice. So I guess, yes, I think because of like the pro-life campaign to, you know, um, throw that whole like the murderous like women around thing. Um, I think because of that, pro-abortion has a negative connotation. 
Okay. Um, so, uh, Nicole, would you do you have any response to that or any kind of uh, what do you think? What do you associate the term pro uh, choice with pro abortion? Um, I think it can be sometimes. I try to I definitely try to distinguish between the two. Um, I mean, if we were talking about just semantics, um, pro just means for. So pro abortion means you're for abortion, whether you think that's a good idea or bad idea. And mm-hmm. anti abortion means you're against abortion. Um, because you, you're against it, you're for it, pro anti. So, I mean, I can see the semantics in that. Um, but from my dealings in people, cause I've dealt with plenty of, you know, like Brittany was saying, like there's those, the stories you hear and I have definitely had my fair share of interacting and trying to dialogue with people that I would consider pro abortion. And I think there is a difference between the pro choice people that kind of go, yeah, you know, I think women should have control whether I agree with their decision or not. And I see pro-abortion as more a probably a smaller sect of people, though I feel like maybe it's a growing sect. I don't know that kind of or more um, they you try to maybe share a story about someone that regretted and they just they do the laugh react or they go, you're just you know, you don't care about anything completely misrepresented position. Um and just they seem to cheer on abortion more than even if a woman made a choice. So with, uh, even in those rare cases of of rape, when I've dialogued with them and being like, yeah, I, I can kind of see that point of view, why we think in those cases um, where a woman, you know, d- didn't didn't choose to engage in the act that results in pregnancy, that that was forced upon her um, and trying to share that. And they just kind of be like things like, well, those are just demon spawns. And that woman just, yeah, she wants to breed with rapists. So mm. that's kind of when I think pro-abortion is that people, the more extreme and wearing the dress, I heart abortion, or like Brittany was saying, the, the shout your abortion, that sect of people and pro-choice people, I feel like are at least a little bit more, you know, they're, they're a little bit more civil about it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So you said um, one thing that you said was that uh, we, we're seeing a grow growth in this kind of attitude of pro-abortion. Um, do you feel like because I mean, um, I feel like a lot of the a lot of the things that we see in the news today aren't necessarily that these things are growing, but that just there's growing attention to them. Um, would you say that do you think that that might be what the pro-abortion kind of view is instead of it growing as just a hey we we just know about it it could be um because i wouldn't really say i have statistics on that just i guess kind of generally what i see more that maybe the the loudest voices that come across the the harshest just kind of get all the noise in the in the racket versus maybe you're more you know i'm going to be a little bit more reasonable about it so maybe it's grown maybe it's not it that's i guess that's just kind of the way it's appeared to me in the past, like since I've kind of paid attention to this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so would you, um, would you say that, or what, you kind of defined what pro-abortion means and everything. Um, would you say that that has a negative connotation to, uh, to you? Um, I can see it having that kind of negative connotation, like, um, you know, Brittany used the word pro-birth that that is kind of, I think, meant to be um, a negative connotation, um, pro-birth, meaning for birth. Well, I don't take it that way because I'm like, yeah, I, I am for birth, for birth. Because um, like I said, I'll, I'll play the semantic game of what pro really means. But I can see pro-abortion having that more 
you're for abortion, like you're cheering it on. Um, so that's why I try to like, I like to distinguish between the the two um, because pro-abortion does sound like you're yay abortion. And yeah. I don't think that represents necessarily a whole group of people. Right. So Brittany, uh, do, do you have a response? Do you think that pro-birth is also a negative connotation? Um, I definitely can see where it would, I could definitely see where it would come across that way just because, you know, there is a lot of like vitriol in the, like the two camps of, you know, people who are against abortion saying, you know, people who get abortions or are pro-choice are like want to murder babies. And then there's like, you know, the people on the pro-choice side that are like, okay, well, yeah, you want us to give birth, but you don't want to feed our kids. You don't want to help our kids go to school. You don't want to do all these things to like make it so the child has a sustainable life. So you're basically saying, I'm going to like gun to your head and make you have this baby birth. And then um, and you know, and like only support that pregnancy outcome. And there's a lot, there's a, there's many pregnancy outcomes that deserve to be supported and women deserve to be supported as the fully cognizant, um, beings that they are, pr- um, as a, like primarily because it's by supporting women that we support children. So, and by supporting mothers that we support children. So I believe in supporting mothers. So I think for me, when I think of pro birth, I don't, I think of pro baby as opposed to like pro mother baby duo, which is what is happening with a pregnant woman. It's a pregnant woman. It's not a set two separate things. Hmm. That makes sense. It, it makes sense to me. Nicole, I didn't know if you wanted to respond to that, if you had anything to say. Um, I can understand where she, um, where she comes from, from, from that perspective. I would just say the pro life is more, and, and I totally like, there are some, like, there are those group of pro-lifers that they kind of are a hundred percent on the child and they forget about the woman. And I guess spending a lot of time with some pro-life feminists, they kind of really helped me to make sure that we're seeing them as two equal human beings. So I'm glad that kind of seeing pro-birth is the kind of more people that are like, they're only focusing on the child and forgetting about the mother. Whereas ideally in the pro-life movement, you the recognition of that there are two um, human beings in equal value, deserving equal treatment, and they both deserve support. Okay, so I guess we would just disagree on that perspective then, because I don't believe that they're two separate human beings, because I understand that pregnancy is one adult human being carrying a fully um, dependent human being inside of herself like so aside from her no no other human exists outside of her existence so if she doesn't exist another human doesn't exist if that makes sense which isn't true in any other case of there being two completely separate entities so i guess i wouldn't agree that it's two separate entities but i i understand where you're coming from in terms of like you think that you know if you're truly pro-life you should be for the mother also so that I, I i appreciate that that is you know um in your circle at least something that's being talked about yeah cool um i i don't really have anything to inter- <laughs> interject into that conversation um because i mean uh Brittany, i told you and nicole you probably know i'm, I'm pro-life um but i try you know because i do i 
I do think I have a right to an opinion, but I think that it's still more of a woman's issue than it is a man's issue. So it's really hard for me to have a 100% full on perspective of it, you know? So I want to respect that. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate you voluntarily taking that, taking that backseat instead of just being like, I have a right to an opinion on anything I want. (laughs) I I find that when I'm like that, I usually uh, look like an idiot. So (laughs) I try to, I try to pull back if I, if I'm afraid that that's going to happen. Um, so one of the questions I wanted to give, and I want to go uh, for Brittany first. Um, I think I think I know what what you would say, but I want I want to you to you to voice it. Um, so is a abortion is that a desirable good? And I know it sounds like a ridiculous question, but I just want um, just a you know a thoughtful. <laughs> okay, I'll do my best. Uh, I think I kind of said this before. Uh, or at least like kind of leaned into it. Um, I just don't, I think that it is neither good nor bad. I think that it's not my, whatever the decision is of someone in their own bodily autonomy to make any choice for their body, I am not going to make a decision about it. So like, it's not my business if you take out your wisdom teeth. It's not my business if you get plastic surgery and get fake breasts. It's not my business if you, you know, as long as you're a consenting adult and there's another consenting adult doctor to like perform the surgery or, you know, help you out in that kind of way. So it's like, is, you know, getting pla- like getting plastic surgery a measurable good? I like, how do I answer that? Right. Like, I don't, right. do I want fake breasts today? No. Um, but like, and I have my reasons, but does that mean that? If I find out that someone else does that, I feel like I should be able to insert myself between them and their doctor and say, you shouldn't have this because it's not good or because I don't want it. Like, I just think it's really none of my business. <laughs> so I don't have a feeling about it. Yeah, I, I can. I can understand that. Um, I can understand that because um, really, because um, so you just look at abortion just strictly as a medical procedure between a woman and, and the doctor. Um, I said, I would say I don't look at it strictly as that, but I would say that, um, it is in, in the same sense of, I feel like I have a moral obligation to insert myself. I would say, yes, I do look at it that way. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and, uh, Nicole, same, same question, you know, um, I know, I know you would say no, uh, but uh, is abortion desirable good? And then just kind of, and just defend the position that you're going to kind of. It is not a desirable good because abortion always ends the life. The goal is to end the life of a, of a child, of the mother's um, child. And there is nothing good about killing your child, um, whether the child is in the womb or outside of the womb. The child is your child. And it is never good to um, intentionally try to um, harm them. And that's what abortion does. It it harms them. It hurts them. It's not good. And killing is never um, a, never a good thing. And it's never a good way to um, solve whatever problems we might have. All right. Um, so, uh, Brittany, would you... Um, uh, do you want to respond to the way that, that I summed it up? Nicole said that I summed it up pretty well. Um, I guess, yes, 
only just for the sake of we're trying to have a productive conversation. So um, I, even though I have heard this, like obviously before from a lot of people who are pro-life that, you know, this baby is a baby and it's a baby from the day it was made and conceived to, you know, when it's 18, 19, 20 years old, it's the same thing. Um, But I think that that lends itself to some like tricky situations. Like for example, if there's a fertilized egg for an IVF couple that like dies, um, you know, while before they are able to like put it into the mother because they're trying to do IVF, um, is that doctor guilty of murder because they technically took the life of a baby? Like, I just feel like there's just so many gray areas when you start to say that a fertilized egg is a baby, um, because it's really obviously not a baby. (laughs) Um, I understand that it will grow to be a child if it's left alone, hypothetically. Um, but also a third of pregnancies end in miscarriage. So that's not necessarily true either. Um, so from my perspective, it's just that I truly believe in the sacredness of the relationship between mothers and babies. And I don't believe that it's ever another woman or another person outside party, um, because God gives our children to us. Um, if he wanted to give someone else moral authority, um, over what we do with our children, whether that's, you know, we smoke and drink around them or we don't, whether we, you know, consume fruits and vegetables or we eat McDonald's all day, like those, you know, I, you could vaguely call them moral obligations of your own person does not, you know, indicate that you should be able to force those moral beliefs on someone else and interject yourself between like in that sacred relationship of parents and children, because, you know, there's a reason why, you know, in my opinion, that God um, often is called our father, um, because to me, the parental relationship is one of the most sacred relationships you can have. Um, So for me, like I said, it just doesn't seem fair or appropriate ever to come in between a mother and her, her child, regardless of the time that they have had together and say, this is the way you should handle this relationship. Nicole, do you want to respond to that? Or do you, you know, um, I guess I would have a question. Um, it does the, the sacred bond that you talked about does, um, and what the child does, what the mom does with the child, does that apply to her, um, her two-year-old? If she, um, has, uh, if you said God, and I do believe God gives us authority over, um, over our children. I definitely agree. I agree with that. Um, the Bible does say children are a blessing from God. Um, but does, does, does the woman still have that same exact authority of what happens to the child in the womb, um, through, um, abortion. So, you know, we'll go with, if you say went with the procedure of, um, the, the surgical where they, you know, pull the, the pieces out or use the suction machine, does she have that same equal authority to do that to the child when she's, um, when, when the child's two? Um, I would say no, because it's an, it's, um, a very clear, um, designation between that being her body and it not, not, anymore being her autonomous body. So no, when the child is inside of her body and is relying on her, it is a part of her. And so they are inextricable. So there is no such thing as mother baby when mother and baby are one. Mother and baby aren't two things until the baby is born. Which is why if you have insurance, your baby is covered under your medical insurance because you are the pregnant person. 
Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that answers, uh, Nicole, if that answers your question or not. You guys can keep going because this is an open conversation and I'll interject every now. Because I was going to ask about the um, when you use that term sacred relationship. Um, I think I know what you mean, but do you, can you cl- further clarify what you mean by that? Right. So sure. Um, well, as we know, um, fertility and pregnancy in general are just not like something like just to come by like that, you know, even the way our cycles work and ovulation works. And even when you are properly ovulating and having a cycle, becoming pregnant can be a difficulty or it could be super easy. And to me, it seems in, in the same way that a sperm eats an egg and, you know, creates, you know, life and creates consciousness. It's something that is to me beyond biology. And, um, I feel like that's deeply rooted in scripture. You know, you knit me together in my mother and your mother's womb, or you knit me together in my mother's womb. Like, you know, you know, God is involved in that process. Um, so I believe that there is a sacredness in becoming, and being given the authority to have a child growing in your womb. And like I said, I don't believe that. I think that God sets us up for what we are supposed to have, whether that's zero babies or that's a hundred babies. I feel like we are given these gifts of children, like specifically and on purpose. And I feel like I don't believe that it is my right um, as another free moral agent to intervene in what someone else in their spiritual experience. So I guess like that's the sacredness that I'm talking about is like, it's a spiritual experience. Um, and like, I don't know, I just support the outcome of pregnancy regardless of, I guess, what the outcome is. So you're more, your approach is more from, I'm, I'm an outside spectator looking in and I have no right to, um, uh, put my opinion into this relationship, what, however it's viewed. Right. Correct. Okay. Um, Nicole, do you have anything to say about that? Um, I think we, we do have, I think, um, especially if, um, you know, Christians, there is a call to speak up for the poor, the needy, the orphan, the widow, the oppressed. Um, And I think um, throughout scripture, I mean, God does give us laws. He does give us uh, that uh, creaturely free will um, to make those, you know, the righteous choice, the the sinful choice. Um, And God does give us those 10 commandments. um, One of those thou shalt not murder. Um, And I think sometimes that is hard to decide, especially if we're kind of coming from that libertarian perspective of, you know, where do we draw that line that we're going to say these specific morals like are okay. And some of them are not. Um, so kind of, you know, since we kind of are a little bit on the libertarian side, you know, looking at the non-aggression principle as saying, you're not going to aggress on anyone as a good moral standard. And I think even as a Christian, that's a pretty good, um, that's a moral standard, love your neighbor as yourself. And I look at, is it loving my neighbor to let a woman kill a child that is a gift from God, a blessing from God? And I go, in that case, no, it's not okay. And um, I care for her soul equally. Um, God says he hates the hands that shed innocent blood. Um, He says, you know, murderers don't enter the kingdom of heaven. So there's um, 
I have a concern for anyone's soul. And, you know, as a libertarian, I kind of like to draw that line at the the non-aggression principle. There are certain things that really have no effect on any other human being. Um, and there are some things that have a direct effect on a human being. And I think where, you know, Brittany and Craigma is where I'm seeing it is that um, I see two human beings. Um, I never saw my um, my three daughters as as me, as I never, they were in me. Um, and it is spiritual, very spiritual, especially, I think probably having children was one of the most experience, most spiritual experiences of my life. And I never saw my, my daughters as, um, part of me. They were always their own unique person. Like I would always say, Oh, the babies, um, the baby has the hiccups. The baby just, the baby just kicked. Um, she, I always felt like she, each of them were their own, um, distinct individual from the time that she was, um, in the womb from the time that I physically could see her and hold her, um, in my arms. So I can kind of see where we kind of, um, maybe differ a little bit in how we, um, you know, we, we view our, um, view our children. I don't know, Brittany, if I'm, if I'm saying that right, or if you need to, um, I think, a little more. um, yeah, sure. So I guess I could give a further explanation. Um, so I guess I'll start with, you know, I, the religious aspect sort of that you brought into it, you know, talking about the 10 commandments and thou shalt not murder and, you know, murders don't enter the kingdom of God. And I guess all of that kind of comes down to like what your interpretation is of like what the blood of Christ does. So to me, the blood of Christ covers all sins and where sin abides, grace also abides. So for me, I give grace to other human beings, um, regardless of what their choices are and whether I think that they're making the choice that God would want them to or not, because I don't know God's specific will. Um, we have ideas, we have stories, we have pictures, but we don't know like God wants me to go left at this stoplight. And, you know, it's not that specific. And it's, you have to be in, in conversation with God to know, you know, spiritually where he wants you and, you know, where you're meant to be and where your pregnancy should lead or where your body should go or how many kids you have. Like, these are all like sacred, um, relational experiences for every Christian and every person. So again, for me, like I said, um, there's definitely a difference between, a wanted pregnancy and a wanted child and an unwanted child, or even a wanted child that is, is going to be harmed once it is born and, um, knowingly bringing a child into a situation where they will be harmed. And for me, I mean, it's kind of utilitarian, but it's like, okay, God tells us not to murder for sure. That's like a, a pretty basic, like Sunday school, you know, thing, but, but does God tell us, you know, well, don't murder, but also it's okay if you bring a child into the world that's going to starve on a daily basis and face, you know, watching its parents abuse drugs and go through withdrawal. Like there, it, there's a nuance there that's not as plain as just don't kill people. Like there's more bad stuff and more harmful stuff than just dying or living. Um, and that, uh, that's not me saying, I think that, you know, you're killing a child if you have an abortion. Cause I don't think that that's true. And even when, like I said, like you were saying, you know, oh, I could say when the baby's kicking that separate from my body, I agree with you. 
I would say then that child to me seems separate from my body. And in which case, when I can cognizantly, you know, understand that my child is separate from my own body, which is, you know, it's it for me before the first or after the first trimester. Um, I would say, yeah, when I can tell a distinct difference between my body and another human's body, it's part of my ethos and my ethics not to hurt that person. But that goes beyond again, like abortion or not. Like then do we also say, well, you're harming another child's body to have a glass of wine or harming another person's body to smoke cigarettes or you're harming another person's body. Like there's so much gray area that you actually can't, um, designate whether your opinion of what's harmful and what's truly harmful, um, are the same thing. So for me, you know, I know that raising children in, um, in and of itself is a, is a big task that there's a lot of human beings that don't feel like they're resourced well enough, or, you know, um, they don't have the spiritual connection to their, to their, um, uh, to the baby in their womb or the fetus or the developing embryo. They, They don't have that connection to it. And I just don't feel like it's my right to condemn them for their choices um, about their own womb. I just don't, I just don't agree with that. And like I said, it does change once you can recognize that that's another person, but we can both say as pregnant people, even like the earliest that some women can, you know, feel movement, you know, and actually have sensation of that other being is not three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, 10 weeks, even, you know, even 15 weeks sometimes, depending on where your placenta is. So I feel like to make the moral to have the moral idea that this is another person, it would not be something you would have been cognizant of without technology, you know, right away. So, and then it's like, then you have to go even further than that. Well, then are you harming your child because you drink a lot of pineapple juice and you, you're able to like use natural substances to like make your uterine wall unhappy and irritated. So that the, the, um, the con- the conceived baby doesn't stick to your uterine wall and can't live. Like, are you a murderer then because of your high amounts of pineapple juice you drink with the intention to not have a baby that you couldn't afford or whatever, or couldn't emotionally parent or that you couldn't get sober for? Like, it's just so, to me, much more complicated than just saying, well, every baby has a right to be alive and have a life. Like, yes, but then there's just so many more questions that come from that to me that, you know, I, I can't answer even in this interview. So I just feel like, you know, I can't make that call because there's just too much nuance. Yeah. Um, so one thing that you said that I actually, I actually really like, uh, one of the things that you said was that, uh, where the sin abounds, grace abounds. And I think if, um, because even here in Lakeland, you know, there's a, an abortion clinic around, you know, like down South Florida. And um, and I've seen Christians out there picketing and everything like that. <gasps> but I think, yeah. Um, but I think what you were saying, though, is that to, to show grace on somebody who, you know, um, from Nicole's perspective, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nicole, um, but the act of abortion is, is equatable to murder. Um, but for your perspective, Brittany, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, is that even if we were to look at it that way, that we should have grace for that decision that they've made and just show that grace of, of, of God, because where that sin has 
abounded, where that sin has um, grown and encapsulated, you know, we should encapsulate that more with right. grace. And like I said, that I think that's also it's if you're taking the position that it is in fact murder, which I don't agree with. Wholly. Right, because I, th- I think we've defined that that you know um, you don't you don't necessarily see them as two separate beings. Um, you know, or, or at least from what you were talking about here a minute ago, um, a, until a certain point, you know, and then right. even even that is, you know, um, the mother can know, you know, at different times. Um, again, I've never had a baby in me, so I don't know what it feels like. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's great. Um, so uh, I want to kind of let's shift a little bit. Um, so uh, I'm going to ask Nicole, you I'm going to ask this question of you first um what would be the ideal environment to raise your children um i think the ideal environment is always going to be a um ideally the biological mother and the biological father um being together and raising their child in a home that is um there's a feeling of um, safety and security and like, you know, your, I would say just like your basic needs being met, you know, food, shelter, you know, clothing, um, and ideally, um, a loving environment where ideally the parents would, um, respect, um, one another and respect their child. And we can throw a cherry on top and say, maybe they're Christians. (laughs) Um, okay, so uh, Brittany, same question. How would you uh, respond to that? What um, what would be the ideal environment for you to raise your children? I've thought about this a lot because I feel like I know what I don't want it to be. <laughs> you know? um, I would say um, we're not talking like bare minimum. We're saying like ideal. Right. Yeah. So, ideal. Ideal. An ideal. An ideal. Streets of gold and all that stuff. Okay. Great. Great. <laughs> so I think an ideal situation for a child is I would agree with both of its biological parents um, that created it. And there's like deep, like womb sacredness of like, you know, what separating a, a baby from their DNA. Like you've heard about the adoption. There's like radical attachment syndrome like kids who are adopted out as babies like suffer deeply psychologically um because there is such a strong connection to that person that they grow inside um and uh anyway so i think yes being raised by their biological parents would be ideal um they would have you know not just food to eat but healthy food that nourishes their body Um, and someone would be attentive to their health and aware if, you know, anything was going like poorly with their health and changing things quickly to like, you know, impact them in a positive way. Um, there would be like peace, peaceful, conscious discipline where, you know, children would be discipled and taught the meaning of why there is structure and rules and boundaries rather than just like putting them out there. Um, there would be a lot of, uh, grace and mercy, both on the side of the parents and the children, because adults make a lot of mistakes and we need a lot of grace from our children. Um, and I think also there would be, um, a love of, you know, truth and a love of, of peacefulness and, um, really all the fruits of the spirit. I'm not going to list, list them, but you know, self-control, all that, 
Um, and I believe that that comes from God. So I won't say, uh, it's, you know, it has to be a specific from a specific, uh, religious background, but I would say those things come from God. So wherever you find God, I feel like that's where you're going to find those things and have access to them. And I think that kids would hear loving things spoke over them on a regular basis and that they would believe good things about themselves and that they would grow up, um, you know, truly knowing stability and love. That would be ideal. Um, so kind of in that, in that same vein, I'm going to ask you this question because I think you've alluded to it, but what would be the worst or the worst, the worst situation? Um, I would just say, you know, all types of abuses would be the worst type of situation. Um, sexual, uh, physical abuse, um, poverty, like extreme poverty, um, not being with biological caregiver or parents or being with caregivers that are um, unfit, um, you know, not having love, being, you know, uh, being in an authoritarian environment, um, being forced to comply and forced to be obedient, not having consent in their relationship with their parents and, you know, in all their relationships. Um, yeah, drugs. I don't know anything that you could probably negatively associate with like extreme poverty and extreme low income. Right. Um, Nicole, what about you? What would be the worst uh, scenario case scenario for you? Um, I feel like I'd almost just want to copy what Brittany said, but um, least ideal situation would be um, where a child is born in um, an abusive situation, whether it is from, you know, I would say maybe a, um, someone that is probably not the caregiver, um, there are not, a, not their, not their parents. Um, and they are in a situation where they are being abused by a caregiver. Um, they're not, they're being neglected. Um, they're not getting their adequate, um, basic needs met their food, clothing, you know, living in a dirty, um, a dirty place. And even so Mark, you know, I would say get even further is see, you know, maybe they are, um, in a country that doesn't have the kind of, um, protections or a type of culture, um, that, you know, wants to step in and do anything that that's kind of like, um, you know, bad situation. Yeah. Um, one thing I did notice that you both did for the worst case scenario is, uh, you both, uh, talked about a child in a situation. Um, but what would you like if you were caught in the worst case scenario, um, with your child? Um, and I'll, uh, I'll ask Nicole, we'll just keep, stay with Nicole here. Um, if you lived in that worst case scenario, what would you do with your children? Um, I think I would either, you know, if I'm in a place, like if I would say in a country where there is a lack of resources, maybe. Um, that first and foremost, I'm going to do everything I can to get my child what they need and put them for first and try to, um, I think I would try to leave, um, whatever it took to take my children and get to a, um, a better place, a, a safer place or some place that can get me the, you know, the basics, um, met. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Brittany, what about you? If you were caught in that worst case scenario with your children, what would you what would you do? And I know it's hard to say your children because, you know, all of you know, for both of you, your children are out of the womb. Um, But let's say you were caught in that worst case scenario. And Nicole, I'll pitch it back to you again. Um, But let's say you were caught in that worst case scenario with your kids now. How would you respond? And then if you were to become pregnant again, how would you respond? Um, Brittany, we'll throw it to you and then we'll come back to you, Nicole. So so you're saying like in this active situation, there's active abuse, like poverty, starvation. You're asking me like what if I had the opportunity to take a... um, uh, like an abortion-efficient pill to not be pregnant in this situation because of the extreme, like horrific situ, like horrific, like outside. Is that kind of what you're getting at? I'm sorry. I'm just like yeah, sort of. Yeah, sort of. Like if you were just in that worst case scenario, and you know, like yeah, if you were pregnant, what would you do? I mean, yeah, I, I, for me, yes, I probably would. I would probably do the natural, like an herbal way to detach whatever contents of conception that I have inside of my womb, I probably would. Because to me, a life of starvation, suffering, abuse, um, it's actually, depending on your idea about consciousness in general, but like to exist is to suffer, right? We know this from like lots of (laughs) psychological, uh, great minds. Jordan B. Peterson talks about that, you know, how you have to like just face the suffering and, you know, like be, be willing to like enjoy it almost so that you can be a better person. So, um, I wouldn't bring someone in knowing that existence in itself is suffering. And then there's going to be all of this extra suffering on top of it. Um, Mm -hmm. if my child wasn't yet born or was, it was early enough to where I could save a child from even coming to have a heartbeat or a brain or cognize any of it. Yeah. I would save them from that. And to me, it would be, it would be out of mercy and love that I would save them from that. Um, and if it was my active children that are fully alive and fully human beings, I would do my best to mitigate any pain that they would see from it. Um, I grew up in abuse, so I kind of know how to, you know, um, not, I wouldn't say mitigate, but at least, I know some idea of what it can do to you psychologically. And I would try to, you know, explain to them, like, you won't have as much long-term effects from trauma if you understand that you're going through trauma at the time. So I'd be like, this is very traumatic. We are all experiencing a trauma, you know, so that they could process it with me. Um, and because they, well, I mean, my seven month old, not so much, but my seven year old would be able to be aware of it with me so that she wouldn't be suffering the same as someone who doesn't understand it and is going through it. So I would try and explain it the best that I can. Okay. Um, so Nicole, uh, if you were, you, found out you were pregnant and you were in that situation, what would you do? I would do the same thing. I would um, hopefully seek whatever I would get out. If that took running, migrating, whatever do to get myself out and away from um, that situation or fight for everything that I can get to continue to um, protect um, my child in the womb. Um. Yeah, those are, I mean, I'm not going to say either of those are, are horrible answers, you know, um, but how, uh, Brittany, what can we do? Because we, we we kind of established that you think that abortions aren't necessarily good, not necessarily bad. And it's really up to um, uh, the mother and her decision with the doctor. Um, but I, I, 
I don't think that you think that it is a good, you know, it is a good thing to do this. It's just, you know, is it necessary or not? And we don't really have that place to tell the mother that. Is that a fair statement? For sure. It's, I would say it's morally neutral and that it's not my place. Okay. So what do you think we could do better? Like if, um, if abortions could be prevented without any kind of uh, restrictions as far as laws or anything like that, um, what could we do better to, to accomplish that? See, this is why I would consider myself pro-life and not really pro-choice, because I believe if you are pro-life in the sense of you want everyone to exist and have a great life, regardless of where their starting point was, you do have to implement things such as like easy access birth control, talking to children as young as seven or eight about um, their bodies, how bodies work, being open about what healthy sexuality is, what porn is, things that they could be coming into contact with that could um, end in them having an unwanted pregnancy and being in one of those worst case situations that we were talking about where they would have to decide whether abortion would be for them or not. Um, I see too many women and I, I can't speak to Nicole's situation, but I do see, I mean, I even have cousins who I love dearly who've always been in privilege who say like, I would never have an abortion. Well, no kidding. And you, you never should <laughs> because you always have had anything and everything you've ever needed and have always, you know, have, have never been in a situation where you would have become pregnant or you didn't have a father that beat you so that you were seeking love from someone at 15 when you're not psychologically aware enough. It's like, you're, why should someone have to pay the consequence of an action that they weren't even, their brain wasn't even formed enough to inform them what the consequence would really be, you know? So I think um, for me, there's a lot of things that can be done. And I really wish the pro-life movement would focus more on the things that can be done to prevent women from becoming pregnant with, you know, um, un unwanted pregnant or having pregnancies where they can conceive a child that they don't want um, or that they think would be too, too unsafe or too much of a burden um, where they would have to feel where they could what would want to feel like, you know, abortion would be the most logical or most most merciful um, outcome. So I do think there's a lot of things that can be done for sure. Nicole, same question. Uh, did you mean to repeat or you got it? I got it. Um, I, I agree with uh, Brittany a hundred percent on that. Um, I do think we need to be, um, we do need to be educating our, um, our children. Um, I don't know what age that is. I think that can really depend on, on the kid for sure. Um, other than, you know, getting them to know their, you know, a lot about their body, especially to protect them from cases of abuse. Um, but we do need, um, yeah, we do need um, education. And um, there are, there are parts of um, the pro-life movement like that, um, that because I, I would say the pro-life movement, it does really vary. Um, because you do have, you have liberals and conservatives and libertarians and Christians and atheists and agnostics. Like, it's kind of cool um, to see that diversity. And, and it's really, it's more the, that the younger generation, like those definitely under 40, which those are not the loudest voices in the pro-life movement. Most of those voices are a bunch of old people that just need to, I think they just kind of need to quiet down a little bit and let some of this younger generation take over. And there are some people in the pro-life movement that completely believe that there should be, um, birth control available over the counter kind of thing. Um, and there, there's some that aren't, and that, that does vary. And I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent, um, opposed to that necessarily. Um, I don't think that, um, 
you know, that's the fix all, but I do think that could help. And I think there, there are resources there for women. It's just, do women know that they're there? Do they know how to access that at all? And I have found that a lot of times women just people like I've learned this in the community, especially when I get involved. Um, cause I moved to this community two years ago and I've been involved at the pregnancy center for a year and a half. And I have been amazed at what resources are available to women in our community. It, it really just, it makes me glad that we moved here to know how we can help people, you know, getting them jobs, um, getting them housing, um, clothing, where to get food, um, what, what, um, centers they go to, where to get, um, free counseling. And there's even, you know, uh, how to help women get on, um, you know, libertarian cringe, but how to get on government assistance. Um, I know sometimes as libertarians, we don't, we don't like that. Um, but that, that's currently kind of what, um, what exists out there. So, um, you know, there's going to be that taking, um, taking advantage of what's out there until something, you know, privatized ideally would come along. So women do need, um, they need the things available to, um, not just help them with their pregnancy, but, um, especially, um, afterwards, um, you know, I teach, um, I do pregnancy and parenting classes. So part of what I do is I am helping the women, making sure that they can raise their child in a safe and loving environment. Um, you know, like how to, how to discipline because, um, you know, a lot of these women did not, they grow up, like they did grow up really, um, underprivileged. And I do believe that I grew up in a, like, I just don't know why the Lord blessed me with what, um, my upbringing that I had, cause it was just, it was good. Um, and I, my heart breaks for so many of these women when they come to our center and you're just like, I I'm humbled by, um, what they, what they go through and, um, you know, hearing their stories and learning not to, to be way, way less judgmental, um, where they're coming from and just, you know, that's supporting them so that they can hopefully start breaking that cycle of, um, you know, cause we've had women that have been on drugs and been in abusive situations. And they're sometimes still in those situations because, you know, it's, it's hard to, to get out of that. So they definitely need to know what is in their community. And I think the pro-life movement definitely needs to do, um, it's all there. The resources are there. Um, but you can lead, you can lead the horse to the water, but you can't make them make them drink it. And we, we do see that at the center. We'll have women come in and we're like, here, look, what's your problem? Okay. Here's what we can do. We can do this, 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 and this, and this. And then sometimes they're just kind of like, no, thanks. And hmm. you know, it's, that's kind of, it is, it is what it is. Um, at that point. Yeah. Right. So, so you would both, you would both agree that, uh, the best outcome would be to, um, to prevent an abortion, that would be the best outcome and that the best way to get that outcome is through education and support systems. I don't necessarily say that I would want to prevent an abortion. I feel like that still puts attaches shame and neg and moral negativity onto abortion that I don't want to attach to it. Mm. I would say ideally people would conceive babies that they want to have. Mm. 
I got you. I, I, I got where you're coming from. I, I, I see what you're saying. So um, prevent abortion as in like, I guess what I was meaning and it didn't come across um, is that if, if women are educated enough, then the need for the abortion won't be there at all. Exactly. And that's the better outcome. That's the better circumstance. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> um, okay, so we, we, we've got some questions, but most of them are, are comments. And so I really just want to – I don't want to rehash stuff that we've already rehashed. But if you um, – I do want to go over – there's one question, and I'm going to show it here on the screen. I don't know if it will show the whole thing. It's not going to show the whole thing. Um, but he ends by saying, uh, is a fetus, uh, or unborn child, it's, it's its own person or is it part of the mother's body? I believe that we, you know, I, I know that we've already answered this, but if we can just like quickly, you know, answer that just for the sake of the commenters, <clears throat> uh, Brittany, we'll start with you. Um, I do not believe that a dependent non-cognizant, <clears throat> uh, embryo or fetus is a separate person. I think it belongs to the pregnant woman's body. It's a part of her and inextricable from her. And Nicole? Um, they are in the moment um, of conception. God has um, said, um, he reaffirms that in scripture about saying, I, you know, being knitted in the womb, formed in the womb. God knows very well that that's a, um, unique, um, individual that resides within, um, the mother's womb. Okay. Um, and then, uh, this question, which, you know, I, I kind of plays onto that one as well. Um, but do you believe that a fetus or a child in the womb has a soul? Uh, Either one of you can jump in. I don't want to designate somebody to answer that question. That just makes it a little easier on our end, I think. Yeah. Oh, uh, Nicole, go ahead and answer that one. Um, you believe a fetus has a soul, and I think it piggybacks off of the last question. Yeah, I would say yeah, it's kind of the same the same thing. Um, God, um, you know, I, I guess we could say that maybe um, in scripture, maybe it's not a hundred percent clear um, with a soul. Like if we're, we're I don't think we're going to find an exact. Um, right. scripture, but that the unborn child does have a soul. And even, um, you know, John, um, well in the womb of his mother upon the arrival of Mary with, um, Jesus. And I think that's assumed that Jesus would have been somewhere, you know, that would have been like first trimester and John the Baptist, I was guess a little bit more towards that third mm -hmm. trimester. You know, something like that. So that's kind of how I would I would say that I think scripture affirms that the fetus does in fact have a soul. Pretty. So I mean, I guess if I thought it had a soul, then I would say kill, killing would be murdering something with a soul. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think that I agree with that necessarily. I think uh, I just like I said, I think it's a deeply a spiritual experience, and I think that for me, you know, I had. Um, um, my very first pregnancy ever was a miscarriage and I was deeply attached to that baby. And in my circles, we call that our spirit babies. I was deeply attached to my spirit baby. And I know that that baby had a soul. So, I mean, I definitely think that it, it depends on the person. It might even depend on the baby. I, I definitely know people who aren't connected like that or wouldn't say they experienced that with their own pregnancy. So 
I can't speak for anyone else. Um, and I do think that there, like I said, if we go back, we're going back to scripture, no one in scripture would have known about pregnancies that occurred before the ability to recognize, to, to recognize them as a woman. So, you know, women wouldn't have been like thinking about their children as separate beings before they could feel them or become aware of them, you know, physically in their physical self. So I think, um, do I think a baby that's moving around inside of you has a soul? Yes. Do I think a three day old zygote has a soul? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, there's, there's quite a few comments, um, in, in Brittany, I know you can see the comments. Um, so I don't know if you want to respond to any of those or if you don't, you just don't want to. Nope. Okay. All right. That's what I figured. I have to go nurse my baby soon. So that's fine. Um, I actually, uh, I think that kind of the last question where we kind of talked about, you know, what we can do better. I think that was a perfect place to end. I just wanted to give us a, uh, you know, an opportunity to respond back because I did say that at the beginning is that we would respond to some of the questions and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so if you stick around just for five minutes, I'm going to close and then we can do like a short little after, um, after talk, like five minutes. Uh, so stick around, give me one second. All right. Um, everybody, I appreciate you uh, watching. I hope you enjoyed this episode of mattnews.biz and then this discussion with Nicole Parks and Brittany Gold. Um, you can rewatch this stream on my YouTube page, link in the bio, or you can listen on, uh, you can look to the podcast, which is available on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. I hope to see you next time as we explore more Matt News.